All right. Well, I am really excited because we're closing up our baptism series here, and we, we are going to have nine people want to get baptized today. I know. And then, as if that wasn't enough, we've got two more who are going to get baptized in a couple weeks because they can't make it today, and they, they have to work and have other things. And so, so that's a total of 11 people making a big public show of their faith in Christ. And so, and it's awesome. And I love, I love all of those folks who have made that decision. But you know, I also know, I also know there are some of you who are still wondering. They're still wondering, still a little unsure whether you should get baptized. And, and, and some of you have this sort of sinking feeling. You haven't been baptized, but you've got this sinking feeling that something is missing in your faith. Something is missing in your walk with God. Because the truth is okay, that when, when something is incomplete, we notice. We notice, man. You go to McDonald's and they don't give you your fries, we notice. Like, that's cause for a riot on my book. Okay? When you, you get a new iPhone and they don't have a headphone jack, you notice. Or when our president fails to condemn hatred, prejudice, and Nazis, we notice. Because when things are incomplete, we notice. Um, so I once did a wedding. I once did a wedding, and, and they didn't want a lot of the other stuff. They didn't want, they didn't want a scripture reading, a song, a unity ceremony, any of that other stuff. Like, literally, it was, it was welcome, vows, kiss, we're done. <laughs> like, we, it was so short. We had people still arriving, and we were already done. And you know, like, I mean, it's cool. I, I, I love doing any type of wedding that the couple really wants, but it felt kind of incomplete to me, <laughs> like, to miss some of those big, important parts of a wedding. It felt incomplete. Because when something's incomplete, we notice. It can happen with our food. It can happen in weddings. But it can also happen in our faith. Something can possibly feel incomplete in our faith. Have, have, you, have you ever felt that? Ever felt like you're missing out on something Missing out on something you should be doing. Maybe it's your saying, be like, man, like I really should, I should be more loving or more forgiving. Maybe you're like, man, I, I, like, I obey God, but I don't connect deeply with God. Something feels like it's missing. Or, or you say, you know what, I, I really should read the Bible. I, sh I should get to know Jesus more. But something feels like it's missing in your faith. Okay. And so, sorry, there. <laughs> and so when that happens, we notice, and it kind of bugs us. So if you've ever felt, if you've ever felt that something is missing in your faith, today's passage, today's scripture, it's a good one for you. Okay? This, one, this one is great. It's out of the book of Acts. So we're going to talk about three people out of the book of Acts. Two I'll tell you about now, and one I'll introduce in a little bit. Okay. So this is out of Acts 16. And this is about, to put a, a perspective, this is about 15 years after Jesus. 15 years after Jesus was crucified and was raised from the dead. Okay. And, and in this story, we, we, hear, we see two main characters, Paul and Silas. So Paul, 
Paul was the leader of the church. Right? He was the main missionary of the church. And Silas was one of his protégés. And so they, they are on some missionary journeys. Particularly, Paul took three missionary journeys all around the Mediterranean. This one was his second. This was his second journey. And in this journey, if you can kind of picture, picture the Mediterranean, he started over in the Middle East, Jerusalem, and then he traveled up through Syria, across Turkey, down through Greece, and then he took a boat back to Jerusalem. And so that was his second missionary journey. Um, yeah, we're not quite there yet. Hold off on that one. Um, there we go. <laughs> um, and so in this second missionary journey, we, uh, what, what happened is they came to a town called Philippi. This is in Greece. It's northern Greece, a town called Philippi. And it's where we get the, the book of Philippians. So it came from this town of Philippi. So they land there, and what often happened with Paul, he preached the gospel, and he healed. And he got in trouble. So he got arrested. Both Paul and Silas got arrested. They got arrested and then stripped, beaten, and thrown in prison. And that's what this is up here. This, this is actually a prison that was in Rome, so not in Philippi. But this was very common of what a prison looked like. Um, and th this is actually the prison that they believed that Paul was incarcerated in, in Rome. But it's a pretty good representation. It's dark, it's dirty, it's nasty. They might have still been stripped naked. They might not have been given clothes. They weren't given food or water. That didn't happen in jail. You basically went to jail to die. So there they are. And, and so it, I want you to picture, so here's the, I want you to picture Paul and Silas. Okay? So here's Paul and Silas sitting in the jail. And now they had just been beaten up. So this might be a better representation of what Paul and Silas looked like in, in the prison. The, 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 there you go. That's probably a little more of what it looked like. So picture that. It's in the middle of the night. Literally, it's around midnight. And that's where our story of Paul, Silas, and the jailer comes in. And it's, it's Acts 16. You can follow along. We're going to start at verse 25. You can, you can open up your Bible, pull up your app, or follow up on the screen. So here we go. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. 
Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before him, before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. So what do we see here? What do we see? This is, this is an incredible story of miracles and salvation and baptism. But it starts with an incredible scene. So here's Paul and Silas beaten up, possibly still naked. If not, maybe they were given a, a blanket or a, to, a, a tunic. But there they are. They had just been arrested, stripped, beaten, and jailed. And they're Praying and singing. Like, I wake up after, after only like seven and a half hours of sleep, and I'm grumpy, okay? Like, Pavot does the slightest thing that gets me upset. I'm barely Christian at that point. <laughs> and they've had all of this happen to them, unjustly. And they're singing and praying. That is amazing. So I, I found this quote. I found this quote as I was researching and reading up for, for this sermon. Listen to this. Singing helps us focus on the glorious eternal realities that may be clouded by our gloomy temporary realities. Think about that for a second. That's why we sing at River Life. That's why we sing at the beginning of the service and the end of our service. Because there's something about singing that transports us. It shifts our focus from our gloomy reality. And, and let's be okay. Like some of you have, some, have had some pretty gloomy realities lately. But it shifts. It transports our attention from our gloomy earthly reality to our Father in heaven above. It gets our hearts in the right place. It gets our eyes looking in the right place. And Paul and Silas knew that. They knew that. They needed praying and singing more in that moment than any time else. So that's how this starts. Right? And then God steps in. God steps in with a miracle. An earthquake. Not just like a little rumbler. So I grew up in Southern California. I, I have, I've sat through multiple earthquakes. Some, some are big enough that you like go in the doorway. Some you, you go under like the heavy table. Some I just sit in bed and ride it out. Woo! I guess I'm too tired. <laughs> but no, no, that's not one of these earthquakes. This is a violent earthquake directly from God. And then all the chains open. All the doors they're squeaky, you see. Okay, All the doors swing open. God does all of that. God steps in. Okay? And then the jailer wakes up. So he must have been snoozing. I don't know if that's okay for jailers back then, but he was taking a nap. He wakes up and freaks out. Because you see, if, if prisoners escape on your watch, you lose your job and you lose your head. He knew he was going to get killed. So he proceeds to grab his little Roman sword and he's about to shink. And then there's Paul. No, 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 don't do it. We're all here. Imagine that. What would make unchained prisoners stay in the prison? 
Why on earth would they do that? What would make them do that? Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing that made a jailer probably not the most sensitive, touchy-feely of guys around town. It's the same thing that would make a jailer fall to his knees trembling and ask the question, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? You know, we ask a lot of questions in life. Life is full of questions. What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of husband? What kind of wife? Who should I marry? Where should I go to school? Should I go to school? Who should win this season of America's Got Talent? Okay, the answer is Darcy, the little girl ventriloquist. If you support anyone else, you're wrong. Okay? But we ask all kinds of questions. Life is full of questions. But there is no more important question you will ever ask than what must I do to be saved? And if you've never asked that question, you might have been going to church your whole life, but if you've never asked that question, you are missing something big. Because you need to not only be able to ask that question, but you need to be able to answer that question. And that's what Paul and Silas did for the jailer. They answered and said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Then they explained the gospel. They explained the story of Jesus, the story of God, this grand story of God from the beginning of time to the end of time about God's good creation, how human sin marred it and damaged creation. The story of Jesus and salvation and heaven and the whole story of God, they explained it. And somewhere in there, they must have talked about baptism. Somewhere in there, they must have talked about baptism as a part of this story of God, of this gospel. That means the good news of Jesus. And then the jailer believed. The jailer believed in Jesus Christ. And now here, here's where it starts to get interesting. Because now the jailer gets to live out his faith. Who knows, it may be, it, by now it might be 12.30, 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning. We don't really know what time, but we know it's not the next day. So here it is for all you night owls. This is the 2 a.m. stuff you do. And here's what the jailer did. It was amazing because the jailer, what, what we see in this, in this story is the jailer paints this amazing picture of what a complete faith looks like. A complete faith. So I know this, this message is about baptism, but a lot of you have already been baptized. But let me ask you, is your faith complete? Is it whole? Do you have a holistic faith, or do, or do you tend to focus on one little area? And so that's why, why I love this story. It's why I picked this story, because, because what the jailer does in the next half an hour, hour, two hours, is amazing. So what he does, he, that he shows four things that he did immediately, right off the bat. So there are four things that he did. First, he bandaged their wounds. Now that's amazing, okay? Because jailers don't bandage wounds. 
Jailers cause wounds, okay? Jailers are the ones who beat you. They don't wash you and wrap you up and bandage you and put liniment and tiger balm on you because I'm sure they must have had tiger balm, okay? They don't do that. And so here's this amazing practice of compassion. Very practical compassion. Not just, oh, I love you. No, no, no. Here, come on, let's, let's go. I've got some supplies at the house. Let's, let's bandage you up. And there's also a piece in the story as you were listening, you might have gotten a little confused. First they're in a jail, then they're in a house, and there's a household, and the truth is we don't quite know. Maybe the jailer lived right there in the jail and his household, and whether that means a wife or kids or servants, again, we don't really know, it doesn't say. He might have lived right next to the jail or above the jail, something like that. But at some point he ends up in his, he takes them to his own house. So first, some practical compassion. He bandages their wounds. And I love that because if you've ever bandaged someone else's wounds, you know what an intimate experience that is because you have to hold them. You have to rub them. And you have to care for them. So to imagine a jailer doing that for a couple prisoners, awesome. That's the first thing he does. Second thing he does he got baptized. It even says, immediately he got baptized. And so that means Paul and Silas must have told him how Christ commands his followers. He calls his followers. He invites his followers to be baptized. And so he obeyed. He obeyed and he said, okay, baptize me. I don't know what they baptized in, an old tub, a I don't know, a jacuzzi, whatever, whatever they had around there. But, but that's amazing that this is included in the picture of what happened after the jailer got baptized. Actually, after the jailer believed in Christ, one of the things he did is he got baptized. Okay? Third, third, they're in the house and he fed them. He fed them with generous hospitality. Because again, in prison, you don't get food. So when someone's in prison, they actually have to rely on the kindness of outsiders. It's part of why Jesus commanded his followers to care for those in prison. Because the truth is, man, if outsiders didn't bring you food, you didn't get food. You were, you were eating the mice from the floor or something. Right? But so here's a person, he, he fed them. And I can just imagine Paul and Silas just chowing down because it had been a rough day. It had been a rough day. So here's this man providing hospitality. So I love that. And fourth, and this is one of my favorite lines, is that he was filled with joy from God. It talks about that he was filled with joy because he believed in God. He and his whole household. That's a reason to be joyful. And you know, the truth is, if you've been going to church or maybe you're coming back to church and, and you're not feeling joy, you might be missing something in your faith. Your faith might be incomplete. It's not to say it's not there, but it might be incomplete. Because when we understand what Jesus did for us, we understand how God has forgiven us and he has adopted us into his family and he, and he has taken our sin 
away from us. And he has given us a new life. Oh, that we are filled with joy. Just like this jailer. Now, before we, we we're, we're going to talk specifically about baptism and the baptism part of this. But first, I want to talk to everyone and ask you, when you look at this list of things, is this what your faith looks like? Compassion. Yes, baptism. Hospitality. Joy. Is that what your faith looks like? If not, you might be missing something. You might be missing something God wants for you, and you're missing something good. Because everything up on that screen right now, compassion, baptism, hospitality, and joy, all of that, it transforms us. And God wants to transform you. Do you know that? God wants to transform you from who you were into who he wants you to be. To be Christ-like. To be impactful. To be healed. To be hopeful. To be fulfilled from him. And all of that happens when we do any, four, any one of those four things. So, so that's what one is you might be missing something in your life, in your faith. And if it is, then you open up your heart and you say, you say, God, I do not have a lot of compassion in my life right now. Give me Jesus' heart to have compassion on people. And that becomes your prayer today. Or, God, I do not have joy. I, I tend to focus on the negative. I get overwhelmed from work and family and drama and all of that. I get overwhelmed. I don't feel joyful. Then your prayer is, Lord, open my eyes to all that you have done for me. And the response is joy. So do you have a complete, whole, holistic, balanced faith? Now, again, now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is all there is to faith. There's a whole lot of other stuff. But you know the truth is? If every person who claimed Christ's name was living out those four things, I think we as River Life would be an incredible place. And the Christians in America and the Christians in Africa and the Christians in Asia would be transformative, community-impacting um, people. So, so I, think, I think this is a good goal. This is a good balance here. Now, let's talk about baptism. Anyone else feel like it's kind of strange to be on that list? Compassion and joy and, and then baptism? Okay. And for some of you, you might be feeling like that's missing. That's a piece that's missing out of your faith. Okay. Because the reason you're feeling that is because of something this, this uh, passage, this story tells this critical truth about baptism, that when we miss this, we kind of miss the big idea behind baptism, and it's this. Without baptism, your salvation is complete, but your conversion is not. Without baptism, your salvation might be complete, but your conversion to a Christ follower is not. There is something missing. 
Now, I'll explain in a sec, but first, let me give you an analogy. Okay? As a pastor, I do a lot of weddings. Weddings are awesome. I love it, especially when it's a, a couple that I'm close to and I've walked with. They're so much fun. Love weddings. Okay? Um, but imagine a wedding. You're, you're all invited to a wedding. I'm up here as the pastor, and we've got, we've got a bride and a groom standing here, and all their bridesmaids and groomsmen. Okay? And they go through the whole ceremony, and everything's looking good, and it's wonderful and sentimental. A little tear. Okay? And it's very sweet. And then they do some vows, but they don't exchange rings. No rings. They do some vows, and then uh, I pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Walk down the aisle doing their little dance. Okay? All, and the ceremony's done. But no rings. Don't you feel like something was missing? They're still married. No one would doubt that. But it felt like something's missing. And the reason is this ring. This ring is a mark of me being married. This ring doesn't make me married. I can't just remove it, then not married, put it on, married. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> okay, this is not Lord of the Rings. Now, but, but see, this is the mark of marriage. Baptism is the mark of conversion. Conversion is this, is this big process of things God does to us, for us and to us. Things we do, and without baptism, there is something missing. There is something incomplete in a person's transformation from someone living in darkness apart from God and stepping into and living in the light and being a Christ follower and being transformed and receiving new life and being adopted into God's family without baptism. Something is missing. That's why baptism matters. That's why if you have not been baptized and you are a Christ follower, I implore you, make that decision. Complete God's transformation in you and be baptized. You can decide today and just come on over to my house. We'll baptize you. And you'll have another chance probably in another couple weeks if, if you're still a little nervous. Come, let's talk. Because the truth is, without baptism, your salvation is complete. You are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But your conversion is not. You're missing something really important. And God doesn't want you to miss out on anything. God doesn't want you to miss out. Join me in prayer. God, you perform miracles, whether it's with Paul and Silas and the earthquake or whether it's in our own lives, of calling us to you, redeeming us, forgiving us, restoring us, Wiping our guilt clean. God, and I thank you. I thank you for that because that is an incredible gift that you give us. Lord, and part of that is this, and part of what we do is step in to be baptized. Lord, so, so for anyone here who's feeling like their, their faith is incomplete, 
God, speak to them. Draw them out. Overcome their, their obstacles, their mental, emotional obstacles. God, break through the walls that they've set up that I can't, their family can't, their friends can't, but only you can. And call people to you to complete their conversion, their transformation into a Christ follower. God, I pray for all of us, Lord. We need your help to be compassionate. We need your power to show generous hospitality. God, we cannot do these type of things on our own. Because it is not in us, Lord. But it is, it is in you. So let us be a church filled with complete Christ followers who love you, love others, show compassion, practice hospitality, and are baptized. Only you can drive us to those choices, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, and we thank you that there is nothing we can do to earn your love, to make you love us more, and there is nothing we can do to make you love us less. So thank you, Lord. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.